if they have both their quarterbacks go down, it's like, who's third? Any any regrets in picking them to win the division yet? I have a multitude of regrets, Dave, in life in general. <laughs> <laughs> and, right, and right now, that's ranking up there. Listen, it's not my fault. I didn't know both their starting quarterbacks would potentially, potentially, go down before week five is Fair over. Enough. So it's like, how could I have foreseen? <laughs> You're listening to episode 33 of the Necessary Nonsense Podcast, the podcast of two unqualified idiots rambling on sports topics they likely know nothing about for an indeterminate timeline and a hastily thrown together format. Brought to us this week by Portable Recording, because why not? I'm Carlos Alcazar, and with me as always is Dave Turnbull. Hey, it's not quite the multi-screen life, but you know, it'll do. Well, there's two screens. By definition, that is multi-screen. Okay, fair enough, but there's only sports on one of them for the time being. We gotta read. Dave, we got to read. You got to teach the children how to read. Once they read, then they can start looking at the pretty pictures. That's how this works. Fair enough. Going to be similar top, similar format to the usual, but we're going to be getting into the news and notes. But then we're going to be talking a little bit about the MLB playoff preview, which in the traditional unnecessary nonsense podcast fashion is happening after the playoffs have already started. Well, we might as well keep it consistent. So I'm going to boldly people, predict right? that the New York Yankees are going to win the first two games of their series. And obviously I am 100% correct, as we all know. Well, see, I was only going to predict the winners of the wildcard games. No, no, I, I'm telling you right now, it's, I, I think the Yankees are going to be up two games to nothing against their opponent. I, I, I'm, you I'm putting it out there. I also feel that Houston is also going to be up two games to nothing. Bold. But you know what? I'm going to do one better. I think Garrett Cole is going to strike out 15 in the second game and absolutely dominate. All right. I'll take it. Yeah. Just, just put your put that to the bank right there. You can take that and you're good to go. I'm just telling people in advance, that's how that's going to happen. But let's talk a little bit about news and notes, Dave. You got some stuff? Go ahead. Okay, uh, so the first thing I want to talk about is actually a really big deal, but it's also kind of interesting for a couple of other reasons, and that is the Toronto Wolfpack. I believe this may be the first time that we have discussed rugby on this podcast. I right? Well, do, do you count? Do you count Aussie rules football? No, I count like proper that's his, rugby. So that's his own thing, as opposed to traditional rugby. Rugby. Okay, Correct. Fine. Sure. All right. So Toronto Wolfpack are a rugby team, obviously in Toronto. And they play, the interesting thing about them is they play uh, a cross-Atlantic league, right? So it's a league that has team. Well, it's an English league, but they also have teams in France. But the thing is, they're the only team on this side of the Atlantic. So I think it may be the first professional sports league that has a cross-country or sorry, cross-Atlantic or you know, well, in two cr- different continents. Let's just call it cross-continent. Yeah, yeah cross-continental league. Uh, which is which is kind of interesting. Anyway, uh, they have what they call the million pound game, which is basically a team from the second tier league playing a team from the first tier league, and the winner of that goes on to the first tier league for the next year, and the loser goes or st- either stays or goes to the second tier league. So Toronto actually won. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they won the million pound game. They won twenty four to six over uh, Featherston. Rovers, and the interesting thing about this is there was actually some talk originally about whether the Super League would actually let them play in the first division, uh, but they did get the the go ahead before they played the game. Uh, so the game was played this weekend, and Toronto won. So they're now in the top tier of rugby, which is also a great story for them because they started you know lower leagues and kept getting promoted. Uh, so it's pretty awesome. In I believe basically they're one year shy of being able to move up a division each year they've played in in their existence of their franchise, which is pretty cool. I think that's an aspect of the more European sports model that I actually like, the whole concept of relegating and uh, being able to promote a team. Basically, if your franchise is good enough and you can earn your way in, you can actually move up to a higher level of competition. 
it would be the equivalent of like in baseball if a triple a team was so good they were able to get in there because you know the baltimore orioles are an embarrassment and they took over their spot that i think that would create an interesting incentive on the owners to field a competitive team so as not to be relegated down a level now the upside is that when the team gets relegated in theory then they would be able to have good talent against quote-unquote inferior competition and earn their way back they should be able to claw their way back up but it's it's a good incentive to make sure you keep your team competitive and good and not just kind of rest on your laurels just because you happen to have enough money to be there absolutely i like the model too i just think wish it was something that was here in North American sports, uh, but it isn't, and I don't think it's coming anytime soon. Because well, the owners, the owners would never accept it, and also the minor league teams, quote unquote, I don't think could afford to play that game, even if they were allowed to be promoted. I, where's the money coming from? No, but I also feel it's well. In it's, let's say take a look at English soccer for example, there are payments given out depending on whether you're relegated or not. So teams getting relegated get a payout, but also teams being promoted get a payout as well. So there is some money changing hands that way. But the, the thing for me that I find interesting is is that it's the fan base in North America. I, I find the fan base in North America really don't support uh, sports in general unless it's the top tier, right? And I don't think, for that reason right there, I don't think they're going to really support a relegation system. I think it's fair. I think part of that is... Uh we, we, the, the word gets overused, but it really is kind of an entitlement mentality in the sense that when you're in a big city, you've got, quote unquote, all the best sports teams and all the top tier talent. And if for whatever reason you don't, you take, an, you take it as an affront. But there is one more thing, speaking of this story that I did want to kind of talk about for a second, is that, you, as you said, it's called the Million Pound Game. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Correct. Just out of curiosity, was it like the XFL marketing department that came up with that one? Because I remember the old Million Dollar Game back in the XFL. Tommy Maddox led the LA Extreme to victory in the Million Dollar Game. So, right. But that was only the championship game. There was no... Uh relegation associated with it to be honest the winners and the losers both got relegated as did the rest of the entire league this this is fair this is fair yeah so it is kind of interesting though i do find it amusing that i guess i guess you're right that it does take on a different con you see i'm more i'm more okay with the million pound game given the fact that there were real real consequences winning that game was hugely beneficial to the toronto wolfpack and i had heard of them and I was one of those things where I just hadn't gotten around to it. Rugby, it, traditional rugby isn't as interesting to me, but I think it's still an interesting sport. I like it conceptually, and I love the fact that a local team actually got themselves bumped up a level. And they're playing against top-tier talent. They're not playing against scrubs. They're playing against real real teams. Yeah, exactly. So that's fair. All right, so moving on to the next piece of news and note that I had is the CFL unpredictability. Now, you will probably make some comment about how the CFL is rigged, so let's just get that out of the way. The unpredictability is as scripted. I even wrote in one of my bullet points from my my reading, my table reading this week is, tell Dave that the unpredictability is scripted, and then smirk knowingly. Sorry, I I, I forgot that part. Go on. Please continue. All right. So it's interesting in this way because obviously I follow some CFL stuff on Instagram, and lately they've been putting up graphics about what is the most likely Grey Cup matchup. And every time they put it up, the most likely matchup has been Winnipeg versus Hamilton. Uh, at the time that they were putting these graphics up, it was first place in the East versus first place in the West. Now, Hamilton is still first in the East. Uh, they're playoff bound. They will make the playoffs. They need one more victory to secure first or a Montreal loss. Uh, Montreal's in second. That's guaranteed. Ottawa and Toronto are probably not going to make the playoffs, although it's still theoretically possible, I believe, for Ottawa, but I'm pretty sure not for Toronto. 
The interesting thing, though, and the unpredictability is in the West. So for most of the season, Winnipeg has been the dominant team. Uh, they're currently 9-6, and six, and they just got beat yesterday by Saskatchewan. And the thing that I find interesting there is, okay, well, they have a, a quarterback injury. Uh, Calgary is 9-5. and five. Uh, They haven't obviously equaled the, the games played yet of Winnipeg. They're in second place. And are also a team that is you know expected to do well with Bo Levi Mitchell, a quarterback. But the other things I find interesting, before I get to the top team, is BC's in last place with a 5-10 and 10 record. But they still theoretically could be a team that crosses over and plays either Montreal or Hamilton in the Eastern semifinal. Or Edmonton, uh, that's 7-8, could do that. The interesting thing, though, is Saskatchewan's now 10-4. and four, And for part of the year, they were at the bottom. They had their quarterback go out in the first game, I believe. They went with their backup, and it was a situation where the backup has done really well. And they've they've sort of rode that train and, and just been not world beaters, but consistent. And now they're, you know, in first place and potentially could win the division. I mean, they're only ahead by one game. But it's nice to see the the West being so competitive. It's just too bad that uh, Ottawa and Toronto are so crappy. Well, I think the West being competitive is really more indicative. Like, for the last several years, the West has been top to bottom, uh, a better, the better, I guess, conference. Is it really a conference? Or? Yeah, I, guess, I think that's fair. I mean, I, I division would be the. Okay, so I guess, the, use, I guess but... the Western division. Fair enough. So let's just say Western division then to be accurate. But yeah, I think top to bottom, they've been more competitive. Where it's gotten interesting is that for all that in the Great Cup, it hasn't always translated. The Eastern teams have done okay in the Great Cup in recent years. But I think a lot of your point is that, like, Unless you're genuinely awful. The tradition is in the CFL. So Ottawa and Toronto this year? Correct. But unless you're genuinely awful, you're in contention until late. For all the jokes I make about, you know, how scripted the CFL is, the reality is this. There's enough parity in that league where nobody, there's sometimes a dominant team. And when that comes out, that comes out. But the rest of the time, it's like there's a team who's really good and another team that's also pretty good. But then there's a bunch of teams like, I think they're pretty good and they just need to get hot at the right time. And that's and that's happened plenty of times. Yeah, which is absolutely true. I mean, BC, I believe they may have gone. I, I could be wrong because I don't know the exact uh, amount of games, but they may have been 0-9 before they actually won. And they're now 5-10 and and potentially in, you know, they're in contention for a playoff spot. Yeah, there was a year. Now, this is going back to the previous iteration, not even the previous iteration. It might have been the previous, previous iteration of the Ottawa franchise. There was a team there that got to the Grey Cup one year where they were just, their regular season record was awful. I don't remember the exact record they had, but I mean genuinely awful. And they won. I believe, well, BC. No, I think no, I think they lost. No, I think they lost, but they did get. Oh, you're you're talking like way back in the day, right? I mean, way back. Yeah, I think that I think that was actually the Ottawa Rough Riders. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's why I said it wasn't the previous iteration. It was the previous previous iteration. Fair enough. I'm I'm going two generations back in terms of Ottawa, you know, teams. But I'm saying, I don't remember the exact record, but I know it was lopsidedly in in the realm of losses. But they got to the playoffs, and that was enough. And they made a run. They didn't win. But they were competitive in that championship game, and they got there in the first place. The fact they could even get there is the whole point. Yeah. You don't have to have an amazing regular season. But to be fair, that kind of makes it funny in the sense that, okay, so then what does the regular season actually mean? <laughs> if you can be genuinely awful in the regular season, you have no business being in the playoffs. Not only do you get to the playoffs, you get to the championship. And you're competitive. You have a shot, a real shot at winning. That's good, though, for the, uh, for the, fran- for the fan bases where it's like, you know what? We're not completely out of it. Until we're totally out of it. Yeah. So at least you got hope. This is fair. Yeah, so that's, that's I think, where we are with the CFL right now. 
and which you know obviously there's uh four weeks left i believe or maybe three i don't i can't remember one or the other well, i know Ham- th- no gonna be, four weeks left because hamilton has three games and a bye yeah, yeah i was gonna say that you know the the great cup is in november so we don't have that much time left because we're gonna have to start getting in the playoffs sooner rather than later here and then once that happens it's gonna be you know game on really because the audiences will pick up once you get into the playoffs and then get into the Grey Cup. The, the In Canada especially, the viewing audience tends to be very generous, usually for the Grey Cup. And, and I expect some good playoff games, too. It should be. I think there'll be some in there. As resident Hamilton Homer, do you think the Tiger Cats actually have a legitimate shot this time? I absolutely do. Uh, because of their defense, largely. Uh, the defense has been consistent all year. The, their quarterback went down early, Jeremiah Masoli. He, t- he tore his ACLs out for the season. Dane Evans, the backup, comes in. And he's, you know, hasn't been totally consistent. He was definitely struggling earlier on, but he seems to have found his rhythm now with the offense. And they're consistently putting up, you know, over 30 points a game. And the defense is is really holding opponents. So, yeah, I like their chances a lot. Uh, I would be very surprised if they don't come out of the East. Although Montreal is potential there. They beat Calgary this weekend. Montreal is one of those teams that sort of seems to be lately anyway. If you don't put them away early... They kind of hang around and have a tendency to to win games. That would be interesting for them from the sense that this would be their first real run at it since the Anthony Calvillo era ended yeah. because they really have been kind of struggling because for a while they were the model franchise when they came back as the Alouettes. They they got to the Grey Cup with regularity and they did win some. Yeah. And I you know I expect Hamilton I mean expect Hamilton to finish first. Their next their last three games are against Ottawa, Toronto, and Montreal. They only need one of them to to secure first place in division. So I fully expect an Eastern Division final in Hamilton, Hamilton against Montreal, and I think it's going to be a really good game. But I, I, I think the the home, the game being at home gives the edge to the Ticats, and I, ex- I expect them to make the Grey Cup. Look at you. So that's uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see because uh, as much as I like to tease the the CFL, usually the playoffs games are very interesting. They're compelling, and then uh, you know once once we're done, then. Then I can reveal to Dave, finally, what uh, was in the last page of the script for the Grey Cup Final. Perfect. I'll let him know. What you may see may shock you. All right, Carlos. I'm ready for my intro. All right. The man has part of his retainer. He needs to have a special introduction, which is basically me just calling out the segment. But with all that said, it is the pretentious cross-country running report with Dave Turnbull. All right. So this week, again, should be another short and sweet week. But I wanted to mention that... TFC did make the playoffs. So they are a playoff team. They're playoff bound, uh, which is good. I mean, with the roster they have, they should make the playoffs. Well, based on what I know about the way MLS works, they play like 457 games in a 365-day year. I think they play 14 months a year. It's incredible. Yeah, uh, not quite. But They've earned it. Working you know, 400 days a year, it's incredible. And they, they should be there in the playoffs. But they made the playoffs. Uh, but the thing is, the last, game as we, or the last games of the season are the day we're recording. And... TFC needs a couple of results to go their way in order to host a home playoff game. And my thing is, you know what? They should really be doing better considering the roster they have. Considering they have, you know, players like Michael Bradley, Josie Altador, Omar Gonzalez, uh, you know, on defense. They have solid leaders at every... uh, Alejandro Pozuelo, the other designated player. They have solid leaders and good skill players at every important position on the field. And, you know, they it was touch and go whether they're going to make the playoffs for a long time. And now they have, which is great. But you know what? I don't expect big things from them in the playoffs. So I think all in all, you know, is it better than last year? Yeah. But it's still a disappointing season for me. Okay, based on what? Based on the fact that I think they're underachieving. 
Okay, but the so this is maybe an interesting way. So you know what? Let me because generally the prestigious cross country running report is when I take my extended nap and then occasionally you know lump it back in. However, with that said, this you you do bring up something that's kind of curious about. So do you not have any kind of a championship hangover? Do you not have give them a little bit of halo in a window because they did win not that long ago, two, two years ago. Yeah. Is it, so are we or outside of that window already for no, you? Yeah, or? they won twenty seventeen. No, I I think I I think if you're gonna call championship hangover. You give them the year after as a championship hangover. Now that year they went to the final of the Concacaf Champions League. Yeah, but I'm not talking about hangover. Yeah. I'm not. I'm talking about so from the fan perspective. So let's say I'll give you an example. So let's say the Blue Jays win the championship. You oh, know? I see what you're saying. No, you're yeah. you're basically saying that the expectation. Grace is period. High. Maybe the correct word that I'm looking for is the grace period. What is the grace period then on this team, given that you actually saw them win a thing? Well, I don't. I don't necessarily think there's a specific grace period. I think the issue is. What, where are they versus expectations? Right? No, I they, get it. You bro. know, they haven't had a huge injury crisis. So, if anything, I say the grace period's over based on who they have. You gave them last year as a grace period because still kind of feeling the highs of the championship. But now, you you know, but they didn't make the playoffs last year. So now you're expecting them to make the playoffs and, and you know, maybe do some damage. So you're, saying, ma- but you're saying mainly that since the talent on the field is sufficient, you, your grace period is less because you're thinking, you know what, there's a chance to maybe do this again in a short window here, as opposed to, say, like where the Raptors are, where they lost key pieces, where, like, no one is expecting anything. And if they don't win this year and they don't win next year, that's not the end of the world. Because you you're not you're not you don't have the same team. Yeah, no, I think that's exactly right. Yeah, so the expectations certainly are going to be lower this season. Like I don't think anyone is expecting the Raptors necessarily to be championship bound again. They lost, you know, their MVP, and the expectations I think are a lot more tempered based on that. So again, whatever they do this year, if they get to the playoffs and do anything, I think the fan base would be thrilled. And if they were competitive again next year, I think the fan base would be thrilled. Um, in the long run, of course, they would love to get back up to that level, but they hadn't been to that level before. So it's not like you had beggars can't be choosers. You got something. Yeah, no fair. I mean, at the end of the day, you look back on the era fondly because you got a championship out of it, no matter what. Right. I think that's fair. I think I'm still disappointed knowing that I feel they are better than this. All right. Fair enough. So as far as pretentious cross country running report, you got anything else for that? That's it, man. Beautiful. Good times there. I tried to salvage a segment folks. I did what I could. So with that said, are we ready for a main topic? We are. Okay, so let's do our way, 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 way too late MLB preview. As I said, you know, predicting boldly, uh, game two of the uh, division series, you know, Garrett Cole will get 15 strikeouts, book it. Uh, I place my wagers now, just to be on the safe side. And I think Justin Verliner will dominate in game one, so that'll be a 2 nothing for them. So jokes aside, I love what I saw from Houston. It, but it, it's what you expected. But I'm just saying, like, Houston is ridiculous. Like, that, that pitching staff is so good. And when it comes to playoff baseball, I appreciate that. Like, when you have a legitimately dominant starter, it's crazy what it does for you. No, absolutely. I mean, I expect the Astros to be dominant. Yes. The o- I think the only question mark they really have is how good is Greinke going to be in the playoffs? So he's the clearly established number three starter. Uh, and, you know, and he's been sort of a mixed bag. He hasn't been in the playoffs for a while uh, since he was with L.A., I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he hasn't been dominant by any stretch of the imagination in the postseason and he's you know he's been a very serviceable you know above average pitcher i would say in the regular season you know Uh, so above average he got 18 wins yeah wins are a statistic that's a team statistic he's also pretty good in the other statistics no he's okay so he's a savvy he's a savvy veteran pitcher he's not a fireballer he's not going to throw 100 mile an hour but he he's a smart pitcher is what i would say 
Yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, I like. Don't get me wrong. I'm a Dodgers fan, and when Zach Greinke left, it hurt. All right. So I, I will, I will give you that right now. I just want, I want to put that out there. All right. But you know, and maybe he's, maybe he does amazing in the playoffs. But the question, the thing I'm thinking though is, is it really even going to matter with the way Verlander is pitching, the way Cole's pitching? Do they even need anybody else? They might not. I, I think they can basically ride this the same way that Kurt Schilling and Randy Johnson uh, were ridden by the 2001 Arizona Diamondbacks because those that one-two combination is, uh, funny enough, the last time that you had two guys that were 300 strikeout pitchers on the same team was that team, those yeah. guys. So it's like the comparison is there. But I love the fact that Granke is your number three because who was the number three for the Diamondbacks back in 2001? It's hard to it's hard to remember. No, they, they had one, but it's like you don't think about it. You think of Schilling, you think of Randy Johnson. Yeah, well, and the Luis, fact, Luis Gonzalez with that hit, right? Yeah, but the fact that the fact that Zach Greinke is there as a number three, I love that from a depth perspective. That's good. What I think may help Greinke as well is that given that Verlander can throw heat and Garrett Cole can throw heat, Zach Greinke's uh, kind of change of pace may actually kind of mess with uh, mess with him a little bit because he's a completely different style of pitcher. So you just dealt with this back to back, but now you're going to get something else thrown at you that you, yeah. that is a complete change of pace. Yeah. So it could work in his favor. It's what it was what I'm saying. Like if he pitches intelligently and hits his spots, he could very well have just as easy a time. Only because they're like, okay, now what do we do? How do we adjust to this now? Yeah. And I mean, I expect them. The series they're in now with Tampa Bay, I expect that to go. Th- I expect it to go three. I don't think Tampa Bay's got any shot. I didn't really think they had any shot before the series began. But I think the Astros win that easy in three, and it's I, not even close. And so far, that's been the way it's been going. But I love the fact that Tampa Bay, as a team who has no budget, no fans, and no anything, manages to get there. Yeah, a team that is also discussing possibly playing half their season in another city. And they may still. The point The point is that I, I think I, I still want to take a moment and give acknowledgement to that management team who consistently is able to keep the team competitive seemingly against every odd possible. Yeah. Like, I mean, if you were, if you were strictly on record and, and then the, maybe even you want scrappiness or the way the team plays or, or the players that are on the team, if you were just trying to look for an MLB team to be a fan of irrespective of anything other than the way they play and, and, you know, over consistency, maybe over a time period as well, Tampa Bay wouldn't be a bad choice. They try. They keep playing. They keep playing hard, and they've got almost everything going against them you can have. It's a shame. I don't think Tampa Bay deserves them. I, I kind of wish they were in a different market. He, he, here's something that I would throw at you, and, and it go, plays into what we just talked about. Honestly, if they just moved Tampa Bay to Montreal, oh my God, could you imagine uh, that management team able to build a competitive, scrappy team and throw them into Montreal? Their heads would explode. Oh, absolutely. Because it's like, oh my God, we have a properly functioning franchise and a management team that actually can build something. Heaven forbid we give them fan support. Imagine if we gave them fan support. What would happen? Yeah. It would be it'd be crazy to think of. So I so I do want to give like a, you know, kind of a virtual high five to the Tampa Bay Rays. Regardless of what happens in the series, I love that they got there. And I love that they keep scrapping away trying. They're no, still trying. Absolutely. I mean, I thought Oakland was gonna win the wild card game. Uh, they obviously didn't. But, you know, credit to Tampa Bay. And, I, I, you know, it would be nice if it – I'd love it if the series went five. I don't think there's any way, shape, or form that, that it's possible that the Astros lose this series. They could they can just bunt every place, you know, hit, and they'd probably still win the game with Cole and Verlander. Yeah, it's just your talent. Like, their talent is so superior. However, 
that's always been the danger with a five game series. It's like, and it was kind of uh, we'll talk about the uh, the Washington series in a second, but it kind of leads to the point where you sent me the message asking about the Scherzer thing, and my thought process was, it's a five game series. You take nothing to chance. You scrape and claw for every win you can because you only need to win three. It's that four. It's when you get to the seven game series and you have to win that fourth one where it gets so hard. But mathematically, if you want to be an underdog and you want to take on the juggernaut, five game series is your best shot. You only have to win three times. And that doesn't seem like it should be that big a difference, but the difference between having to win three versus four is incredible. Yeah. So you, you pull out all the stops. That's And that's the reason why you throw a starter out there on two days rest to go and pitch in relief. Do whatever you have to do. Just get get the win. Find a way. Yeah, this is fair. So that's, I think, it for that one. Uh, which one of the other series do you want to talk about? Well, I, let, I mean, let's talk Dodgers because you know I'm going to want to talk Dodgers. Why not? Uh, third, you know, we're, as we project, a third consecutive World Series participant, Los Angeles Dodgers. That you know what? Honestly, that's what I have. Should they to. get a ribbon? I, yeah, <laughs> I don't. Maybe because they're now one better than Texas, right? Yeah. Uh, but here's the thing. So I exp- I think the Dodgers will win this series. But as I had mentioned to you off air earlier, I feel the Dodgers are a team that is built to win in the regular season, but is not built to win in the playoffs. Yeah. Right. So they are so dependent on the home run. Which, you know, they'll get their share of home runs. But watching the team play, even in the playoffs so far, and, you know, they, they scored, uh, I can't remember how many runs they scored in the first game. But in the second game, they only scored two runs, one of which was a home run. But they were in that game. It was a competitive game. But it always seems like they're waiting for that. And you're wa- looking at the hitters, and it looks like that's what they're trying to do, is hit the home run. Yeah, they're very much, I would say, the uh, maybe the, one of the bigger culprits of this that I'm not a big fan of, because I'm a little bit invested in the guy, is Cody Bellinger. I think he played his best when he wasn't trying to hit the cover off the ball all the time, just focusing on making strong contact, line drives. and everything. But he try, but it looks like he's trying to hit bombs every single time. Yeah, and, and I, mean, out of I mean, he was a guy that last year in the playoffs did not do well at all, and they sat him versus left-handers. So one of the things they talked about in the beginning of the season when he was just tearing the cover off the ball is how focused he was and how determined he was to maintain being in the lineup against left-handers. And and he proved that during the regular season. But there was a massive drop-off in the way he played first half to second half. Yeah, absolutely. He did he did turn it on a little bit in the last month when he started finally holding back a little bit. And magically, you know, you start making some solid contact again, and it helps you. Um, on the other side of that coin... Uh, for Washington, their situation is interesting in the sense that, you know, Scherzer didn't look his best uh, coming into coming in the last game. But I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that he was a little bit hurt. He didn't get to play the full, you know, down the stretch as much. And he was kind of trying to make things work. But the thing is, I still love having Scherzer. Strasburg pitched incredibly, which makes you think about, okay, he pitched incredibly. But imagine that season in his rookie year when he was pitching incredibly and they kept him out of the playoffs. Yep. And it's like, think about, you don't know what's going to happen. And the guy had some injury issues for years going forward. And the thing is, he's always been good. If you go and look at his career record, like, it's well, well into the win column. He can pitch. But he's but he doesn't have the 100-mile-an-hour-plus fastball, but he's still got a good fastball. And he's still got command, and he's still got all these things. But it's like, when that team was running on all cylinders, and it looked like they had a real chance to go deep in his rookie season, and then you kept him out of the playoffs to try to be like, well, we're going to preserve him for the future. Well, what about the future is now? 
your window is sometimes so small. You no, don't if, know if, if you've you got next year. I, you know what? Honestly, I think for any team, if you have a shot to go to a championship and you think you can do it, and it means you're going to mortgage a future, or you like you got to go for it. That's what you got to do. That's what that's what sports is about, and and teams are about, right? We watch, and we're pro- you know, if you're a diehard fan, you're going to watch no matter what. But for the players, you may only get one shot. You don't know. Right? Well, that's the thing. I think everybody who I'll give you I'll give you a good analogy, a good story. You have to think back to, um, you know, if we talk about the Blue Jays, when they were doing their best work, when they were uh, consistently contenders in the early 90s, when they won the second World Series in 93, Delgado was technically part of that team. So Carlos Delgado. But what happens, he was technically part of that team because he played during the regular season. Carlos Delgado got a World Series ring for that. Yeah. But at that point, Delgado was an up-and-coming prospect. He was just getting started. He didn't really establish himself as a full-time major leaguer until a couple of years later, around 96, 97, 98. By around 98, he was developing into a superstar. And then as you get into the late 90s, you're looking at, oh, we got Delgado. And then Roy Halladay started to, in the next couple of years, started developing into a superstar in the early 2000s. So now you're sitting there right around 2000, 2001. You've got a prime Carlos Delgado. You've got a guy who can hit 40 home runs who can get 140, 150 RBIs, who can hit 300. He can hit for power. He can hit for average. He can do all of that. you got Sean Green, who can hit for 30-30. You've got Roy Halladay, who is a Cy Young winner. And then you sit there and you're like, okay, we got everything. No, you don't. You're still missing a lot of things. The window had already closed. It was done. By the time all these young guys were ready to go, it was over. Yeah. You, did, you, just, you couldn't compete. You weren't in that position. So you had these guys for a stretch of time. They went on, still had some success. You also had Chris Carpenter, who down the road became the pitcher you were hoping he was going to be under your organization. He became that guy. And he won a World Series in St. Louis. But it's one of those things. Like you had all this talent underneath your umbrella. They had Jeff Kent at one point. Like They had all this talented players in their system, in their roster. And it's like it just never came together at the right time. Yeah. By the exactly. time all these guys were ready to go, they were ready to go in other places. It's just, it, not for you. Yeah. And it's a shame. And it happens. It's very common. Yeah, I would say though I think it would be hilarious this year if Washington actually goes all the way, they lose Strasburg and then win the World Series. It would be. It's the thing is, it's or not Strasburg Harper. I mean, it's still. Oh, that would be funny. That's but that's what I mean. It would be. It would be beautiful. Because, but here's the thing. This is not really a hot take. I like Juan Soto way more than I like Bryce Harper. Juan Soto is a more complete hitter. I like every aspect. I like. I like his approach. One thing that uh, when it was brought up in the commentary during one of their playoff games here was that he struggled a little bit down the stretch too. But he struggled a little bit down the stretch too because he started to uh, ten- he was tending to pull the ball a little bit too much. And the thing is, Juan Soto's a great hitter who can hit the ball the other way. And as soon as you say the words, the man can hit the ball the other way with power. As a f- as a- an aficionado of hitting in baseball, I get excited. Because, I th- because that means that it's a guy who can hit to all fields. It means you're not just sitting there trying to pull the ball and crush it. But it means if you can hit for power the other way, you don't need to worry about the home runs. The home runs are going to come because you're going to consistently hit the ball off. The- but you're also going to get doubles. You're also going to get extra base hits. You're, you're- It's going to help you have a higher average. And Juan Soto is 20. <laughs> That's a guy you can build a future around because that excites me that he can that he has enough discipline at this stage in the game to be able to play. He had 34 home runs and he had 100 RBIs this season. He's 20. That's amazing, and it look it bodes well for the future. So I'd rather have Juan Soto than Bryce Harper. Thank you very much. Yeah. So that's just me, but uh, but you know he's still young and they might not be ready for prime time. I love Scherzer. I love what he can do, but it's like it, it, this team is tricky because maybe. 
Like if, if if the thing falls right, like the Dodgers, the problem is with the Dodgers getting to World Series so many times is that it wears on you. Oh, absolutely. The longer these seasons go, it's not getting easier. It's getting harder. And, you know, we already know Kershaw is not the same Kershaw he once was. And he's always had a little struggle in the playoffs, but I think some of that has to do with bad luck. Some of it also has to do with a bad mentality to a playoff atmosphere versus a regular season. Oh, true. I mean, but I mean, if you look at his actual, his, his stats are markedly different regular season to postseason. They are because in the regular season, they're obscene. Like the, the problem. Well, the problem, fair enough. That, pro- that is pro- a fair point. The problem is that you say, oh, you know, he's much worse in the playoffs. Well, the problem is he's historically great in the regular season. Like so good that we're looking at all time best seasons. Well, that's in a different stratosphere. So then, yes, if you look vaguely human in the playoffs, you're going to look terrible compared to your regular dominant self. Oh, that is a fair point. Yeah. So that's that's kind of the thing with and and now Kershaw is getting a little bit or he is losing a little bit of speed off his fastball. You know that those things are going to affect you. So now it's like, how do you adapt as a player? How do you make changes to allow yourself to be able to do that? So uh, as we're talking, one thing uh, that I'll mention is that we are doing the multi-screen life here a little bit. And we're just kind of keeping an eye here on the uh, on the Pittsburgh Steelers and Baltimore Ravens game. And it looks like Mason Rudolph got rocked. He's yeah, out. absolutely rocked. He is out cold. So there you go. That's the interactive element of the, the podcast where you're kind of getting that in real time. And it's a shame because I kind of I kind of want to see if Rudolph can do anything. But yeah, I think that's a concussion and I think he's out cold. My goodness, that's a hit. So anyway, one thing that I'll mention, and uh, we'll, we'll talk more if the Mason-Rudolph thing becomes a bigger deal down the stretch, but uh, I don't want to make light of it, but the reality is we don't know too much yet. Obviously, we just looked at it. We'll, we'll talk about it more. Obviously, it becomes an issue down the stretch because I don't know Let's what the just say he. I hope he's okay because yeah. that was a bad hit. Yeah. I will say, though, the Pittsburgh Steelers, I don't know what those guys are going to do because you know if they have both their quarterbacks go down, it's like, who's third? Any, any regrets in picking them to win the division yet? I have a multitude of regrets, Dave, in life in general. <laughs> <laughs> and, right, and right now, that's ranking up there. Listen, it's not my fault. I didn't know both their starting quarterbacks would potentially, potentially, go down before week five is Fair over. Enough. So it's like, how could I have foreseen? All right, but let's get let's get back on track with the baseball. Okay, so, so any other thoughts, though, on the Washington Dodgers series specifically? No, I, I honestly, I think L.A. is going to win the series. I expect them to. but that's, Because that's... I think matchup-wise, they're overall better. But I think Washington has enough weapons that's so going to make it interesting. I would not be surprised if this series goes five games. Sure. I, and I, I'll I, leave it at that. I, but I, I think that would be enjoyable from a fan's perspective. Now, obviously, as a Dodger fan, you'd rather they just get it over with as soon as possible. That would be preferable for you. But, but as a baseball fan, I would love to see the the Nationals make this a challenge. I'd love them to really uh, push L.A. Um, on some level, though, I would say that if L.A. goes to five here and they really get pushed, I actually would like that for the Dodgers only because I'd like to see them pu- their postseason medal pushed a little bit more because right now the, the problem that I think they've had with the World Series is that, yes, they're playoff tested. Yes, they've had plenty of games. But the question now is, can they get to that one extra level? And to your point about the Texas Rangers back a couple of years back, they got to the World Series back-to-back years, but they just couldn't close it. They couldn't put it away. And in the case of the Dodgers, the first series was the one I think they had the best shot at. The first one? Agreed. Uh, Agreed. The second one, I think the Red Sox were just flat-out better. They outclassed them. So it was a different. It was a completely different context of series. Now let's see uh, next series. Which one do you want? Brave, let's, let's stay with the National League and go Braves. And Cardinals, who do you like there? I like the Braves, but again, I feel this is going to is also another series I feel could go five games. It could. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing the Braves only because I'd be interested in seeing more of Acuna. 
And I'd like to see if Donaldson could could do something here uh, if they go. Because like I said, I think the from what I understand, I believe he's a free agent at the end of the year. I don't know if he's signed for multiple years. I forget what his I contract think you're right. is. I think you're right. So he's basically playing on a contract. And he played well. He played extremely well during the regular season. If he puts, makes a little noise in the postseason, it would be huge for him. I'd love to see it. Now, I think I genuinely don't remember what my picks were for in the, in the preview. I'm going to say St. Louis just because I do think they are still a very solid team. I think Atlanta is a very exciting team. I think Atlanta's ceiling as far as talent is higher. But I do like kind of uh, you know what St. Louis has going on with it. I, I think Goldschmidt is good. I still think he's good. Um, I don't know if he was able to get the kind of season that I think they wanted out of him. But I think he played reasonably well down the stretch. And I like a lot of – as an organization, I already mentioned to you, I think St. Louis as an organization has performed extremely consistently and well over time. And I've been very impressed by that over the course of years. I just don't know how they consistently keep. They're basically like the Rays situation, but over a much longer period of time. They yeah. just manage. They find but they've a way. also one thing. So. Like they, and, but they know. also have support because they also have support over time. So it's like going back to the era of, you know, the Stan Musials and, you know, Dizzy Dean and those guys. So they've got a long history. But um, out there in the Midwest, it's St. Louis Cardinals have been solidly good over time. And it's been impressive, and I'd like to see them continue that. So I think that'd be kind of cool if they continue that going forward, at least to the NLCS. And then you have the Yankees Twins, which uh, I, I, you know, which is interesting series because both teams have won over 100 games. But it kind of surprises me so far how dominant the Yankees have been. It doesn't really to me. Uh, the here's the thing about the Yankees that here's the difference between the two teams. I think the Twins have played about as well as they can play, and I think they hit a ton of home runs, and I think they're good at that. The Yankees have won 100 games despite the fact that half their damn team has been injured all the time. Like, they've got injuries on injuries on injuries, and they keep winning. It doesn't matter. They just get somebody else. And they just and it's not, like, it's not like the old Yankees where they would go and get somebody else off the free agency market, spend a ton of money, and go. They had um, – there was a year that they had Jose Canseco on the roster just because. Like, he could have actually played full-time for somebody, but they had him on the bench. Just because they're like, well, we're the Yankees. We'll, we'll get you to come here, and then we'll get you to come here, and then we'll get you to come here, and, uh, well, what do you want to do with me? Uh, nothing. Just sit on the bench. Yeah. It's just so another team can't have you. Yeah. That's literally why you're here. And it's just insurance. Insurance on insurance. If we need an eighth outfielder, you're the guy. So here we are. And it was high-priced talent after high-priced talent at that time. No, this Yankee team is like, no, no, we, we, we have guys in the system, and we're just going to keep plugging in players. Glaber Torres is good. You know, um... Uh, what's his name? Judge started hitting home runs down the stretch. Stanton has been hurt most of the year, and and he's still there. Like he's he's a home run threat. Yeah. Like they've got a lot of players. And um, the one that strikes me is uh, DJ Matau or Matau or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He hit like three thirty this year. Like he's just another dude that they stack on to another dude that he's not a household name, but he played extremely well. And it's one of those things. Like, yeah. What are you gonna do? I I just think they have more talent. No, I, I mean, I agree. I, I think this might be... I mean, if I was saying this ahead of time, I'd say maybe the Twins get one. And, it, you know, the Yankees win the series three games to one. Although, being up two to nothing, I wouldn't be surprised if they finish it off sure. uh, tomorrow. But the thing that I find interesting is is that I think, you know, New York, and it's going to be New York and Houston, I believe, in the ALCS. I think that's going to be another really good matchup. Uh, that was the matchup two years ago, I believe, when Houston went to the World Series and won it. Yeah. You know, and I think that's going to be a really good ALCS. I, again, I expect Houston to to win the whole thing. So, obviously, that means they would win the ALCS. But I think that would be a really competitive series and very compelling playoff baseball. 
I think that will be genuinely interesting because I think that Houston team is a much stronger on paper Houston team than that one that even won the World Series. Because I watched uh, I watched the last game and Bregman just crushed the ball. Just flat out crushed it. And he's an MVP candidate this year. And Altuve's is a previous MVP candidate. And I, I don't remember if he won one or not, but like Altuve's can do almost everything you want to do. Like they just have one great player after another they can throw out there in the lineup. The lineup is strong. And then you tack on that pitching staff we already talked about. It's scary how good they are. Yeah. And I think that'll be the... If the Yankees genuinely want to get over the hump, this is their real test. If they can get by Houston, then the Yankees suddenly become World Series favorites because I like them against anybody in the National League, to be blunt. No. And I mean, the the Yankees did play the Dodgers in a series in LA and they won two out of three games, but all three games were close. Sure. Right? But I, I think you have to favor whatever team comes out of the American League in any World Series matchup. Yeah, I think there's four strong teams there in the American League this year. Uh, like I said, Tampa Bay we like as a story, but Houston's good. The Yankees are good. The Twins have played extremely well. But right now, Houston and the Yankees are the class of the AL. For sure. And I mean, let's be real. We're both discrediting any, the Tampa Bay and the Twins of having any chance of winning their series whatsoever. No, no. I Here's the thing. Tampa Bay, yes. Only because Houston is so ridiculous. Like, they're so stacked. Oh, fair. You think Twins have a chance to come back and win three games in a row against the Yankees? The key with the Yankees is going to be that they still have a lot of young players. Should they win? Absolutely. It's a five-game series, and they're up two games to nothing. So they just need to win one more. But there are some veterans on that on that Minnesota squad, and now they've got nothing to lose. So they're going to have to go into that mode where I don't care if the starter pitched last game, you're going in. Whatever yeah. you have to do, let's put it this way. If they win game three and scrape out a game four and get to a game five, all bets are off. But they're going to have to basically – they've got to throw everything at the wall to see what sticks. Yeah. Because they can turn the other way. Because right now, both these teams rely on the home runs so much. If the Yankees have a game where they just don't hit the home runs, and the Twins do, they only need to win a couple here to get a little momentum. And then, like I said, game five becomes a – now what are you going to do? Yeah, no, this is fair. And I could see the Yankees getting to a game five scenario if that happens and having to throw out CC Sabathia. Now, CC Sabathia is on the playoff roster, but for all intents and purposes, he retired. Yeah. So if you have to throw him out there in a, in a situation, I, I wouldn't like that if I was a New York fan. That would scare me. So it's like I said, we'll see. He, he's supposed to be just the guy who's hanging around for the ride in what's supposed to be, uh, you know, at least to the ALCS. But like the Twins are at least, I give the Twins a fighting shot, even down 2-0, whereas the Tampa Bay Rays, I feel like it's inevitable. It's just a matter of time. Yeah. So that's the difference I feel in those two series. Fair enough. So let's just get it on the record. So I have the Houston Astros over the New York Yankees yep. winning the ALCS. And then I have the LA beating the Braves in the NLCS and then Houston beating the Dodgers. So Dodgers lose their third World Series in a row. Right. Any okay. difference there? Uh, the AL side, I'm not the same. I'm, I'm there with that. I say the Astros getting the World Series. I'm with you. I'm thinking this is the one where all those playoff games finally eat, eat away at them. I'm going to go with the Nationals in the NLCS, taking on St. Louis. And then I'm going to go with the Nationals actually beating St. Louis to get to the World Series. Okay. And making it, their first World Series? Yeah, making their first World Series. is somewhere off in the distance, Bryce Harper is like, it should have been me! You know, That could have been him. It could have been him. Yeah, he had his chance. But, um, but then the Astros, you know, take care of business in the World Series. Great story. Fun to watch. Juan Soto's stock is up. Then the Astros put them out. Hey, are you on? Just let me get something on the record here, though. Is the only reason you're really high on Juan Soto because you have a bunch of his rookie cards? 
that is a factor is what I'm trying to say to you. Okay. Plus, I also like good hitting. The fact is I do like good hitting, as you're aware. I'm a big fan. But no, I like I like I like what the kid brings to the table. And like I think it's interesting to watch some players who are doing who are who are younger and are actually getting some stuff done now. Yeah. Which is kind of fun. Like we're we're in Toronto and we're looking at some of our young we've got a whole stack of young players. But I don't know what the future looks like for those guys. But now there's a lot of things that have to happen to go. No, but if you enough. look but if you look at Soto, like he's already putting up, you know, big boy numbers now. Yep. So it's like that that ceiling is looking really high right now. And we're curious to see where that goes going. I'm excited by that. I want to see the next generation of... I remember when Pujols came up and he was putting up those ridiculous numbers year after year after year in St. Louis. And it's like, oh my God, who is this guy? Mm-hmm. What is he doing? He's a triple crown contender. You know, Miguel Cabrera, when he when he got the triple crown as kind of a baseball stat nerd, like the triple crown is not an annual occurrence. It doesn't happen all the time. Right. It, it had been yep. forever since somebody did one. So when he did it, it was like, oh my God. That's an impressive season. I love to see that. So guys who have a shot at that kind of thing, I, I, I would love to see more of those. All right. So there's our World Series predictions for you. And I think that concludes our all-too-late MLB playoff preview. As a standard, you know, we, we got around to it eventually. Um, our other date that we could have gone was, um, I think, November. And then we could have given you the uh, we could have given you definitive. Uh, we could have told you how many games. We could have told you who the winning pitcher was, uh, World Series MVP. You know that was a shot we could have done. Yeah, that. we actually maybe maybe next time. Yeah, next time we can always do that. So next year we'll do our uh, w- you know playoff preview in uh, in November or maybe early December. You know, get it in there right on time. That's fair. Yeah, I think that's the right thing to do. All right, so moving on then. Uh, what are you looking forward to this week, Carlos? Playoff baseball. Is and- there re- is there really anything else going on this week? No, I, I, the hockey season started, so that's good. This uh, is true. I did have like the multi-screen life on steroids because. I had playoff baseball going on. I had uh, the Dallas Stars had their first game against the Boston Bruins, and that was on TV here. So I had that. Go- so I had the PVR recording that while I had a couple of things going on under the screen. Like it was ridiculous. It was stupid. Just how much stuff was going on. Oh, and they had the Thursday night football game. Like the Thursday night was like as Jesus. you do. It was like so. I was like, okay, even even me, I I can watch multiple screens. When we get to three simultaneous games and broadcasts at the same time. It gets really hard to even give token attention. I like to try to stick to two where I'm paying reasonably good attention. It gets a lot easier. Beyond Three and beyond gets real tough. So that was when you, Thursday Night Football was on one screen. I had the playoff baseball on the other screen. And then I let the hockey game get recorded on the PVR. But, like, we had it going on. Fair enough. And right now in October, I'm expecting a lot of that down the stretch. So how about yourself? Well, I'll give you a little bit differently. So there is some uh, soccer coming up. Or, sorry, pretentious cross-country running, if you would prefer. Did we already establish that, you know, MLS runs, like, a 15-month calendar? Like, we don't, we don't even have 15 but I, months. I, I mean, I'm not, at this point, I'm not I'm not talking about the MLS playoffs. I'm looking forward to the games in Smarch. It's going to be great. I'm talking about the Euro 2020 qualifying. Uh, so, that's going on on the weekend. Uh, so, you know, more chance for Scotland to embarrass themselves. Woo! And things like that. But, you know, the when you have a... a tournament such as the euro was you, was braveheart the scotland one yes braveheart was the scotland one so why why did you do the braveheart thing i do the mel gibson line maybe they should be the ones doing it since they're the ones that aren't doing well just say they can't take our freedom or something and then run and then scream and then terrify the other team you know what like you know how new zealand does the haka before every rugby match yes they yeah they need like a braveheart thing before every soccer match maybe you should literally do the braveheart thing i'm i would be down for that maybe mel gibson's available i don't know what he's doing maybe he can do it let's make it happen done I fixed your problem. All right, there we go. 
So yeah, so so let's put it this way. So what I'm looking forward to this week is obviously MLB playoffs. Also, just for the record, I love when there's four games in one day for MLB playoffs. It's only guaranteed to happen once, but it's a fantastic thing. Hey, the glorious quadruple header, man. Gotta love it. So I'm looking forward to that. And the other thing I'm looking forward to is Scotland breaking out the Braveheart before their match against Russia. In Ru- and let's, since it's in Russia, it'll be even better. How's that sound? Love it. All right. This is the only. This is the only time I will co-sign on a pretentious cross-country running thing. If they do the Braveheart thing, I will root for the Haggis. I mean Scotland. <laughs> so that. So that. So they got that. So that that'll be good. So that's it really for us this week. There's going to be more. Like I said, we'll talk more playoff baseball and everything next week. We'll see what happened with Mason Rudolph because obviously that's a big story now that is just developed out of uh, out of the Pittsburgh game. And uh, there's football, wall to wall football. Hockey's just started going. Like we we barely even talked about it. We before pick, we, the end of the month, we'll have regular season basketball as well. Yeah. So there's a lot going on. October is one of my favorite sports months just because there's so much going on. And then with playoff baseball and everything, it's fantastic. I got fan. We're looking at fantasy football here on our on our phones. Like there's a lot going on. So that'll be it for me, myself, and Dave. This is uh, episode 33 of the Necessary Nonsense podcast. Before we go, we'll do some shameless plugs here. As we do. Listen, you got to do the shameless plugs. Otherwise, what are you going to do? So first of all, we can be found on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts. Also on Instagram, at Unnecessary Podcast. Altogether, I suck at updating it apparently, but I'm going to try to make sure to do a mandated thing. Try to get that done. Twitter, Unnecessary underscore pod. Our site is unnecessarypod.podbean.com. You can check out archived episodes if you want to check out our uh, our love of the Antonio Brown saga. We didn't even we didn't even get to an Antonio Brown story this time because, frankly, I'm tired of that guy. And unless he actually does something on the field, I don't want to talk about him anymore. This is fair. Yeah. So we're done with him for now. But uh, also you can find us on YouTube. If you look up Unnecessary Nonsense Podcast, I'll try to include a link in the uh, in the show notes. And then you can go there. It'll be archived versions of our show with cartoon versions of our faces. But also, if something big comes up, then we can do an Unnecessary Nonsense Podcast Extra. It's Those are fun to do sometimes when there's additional content or something that can't wait for the weekend podcast. So that'll be it for myself and Dave. We'll catch you on the next episode of the Unnecessary Nonsense Podcast.